Well, good evening, church. It's Sunday night, and we're gathering again, wrapping up the series we've been doing for the last eight weeks on repentance. Knowing why, knowing how, both are important. The title for tonight's teaching is Repentance and the Construction of a Godly Life. Two texts. Get a Bible, uh, Luke 3, 1 to 6, and then Isaiah 40, verses 3, 4, and 5. So Luke 3, 1 to 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. It's John the Baptist. Verse 3. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance. That's what we're studying. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, quote, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight. The rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now, Isaiah the prophet, chapter 40, verses 3, 4, and 5. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert, and here's the phrase, a highway for our God. A highway. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places a plain, and then this repetition, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Great texts on repentance. Uh, There's no escaping. We've been doing this for eight weeks. The emphasis of John the Baptist as he quotes the prophet Isaiah, and he applies the prophet Isaiah's words to this process of change that needs to take place in lives as the coming and the entrance of the kingdom of God makes its approach in Jesus Christ, God the Son, the promised Messiah. Isaiah said, and John the Baptist repeats, it's like building a highway, a highway for our God. Those are the very words of the text. And that means that these changes... The changes of repentance, they're they're more than cosmetic changes. They're foundational changes. They're radical changes. They're permanent changes, particularly relevant to our study in, in this text. They are ongoing changes. Fundamentally, that's what repentance is all about. In the very first teaching in this series, 
I said that repentance was rooted in two important concepts. First, that repentance is a radical upheaval in the human will. And secondly, repentance is an ongoing reshaping of the human life. Then we looked at metanoia, that word for repentance. Meta, following, or after. And then noeo, to, to perceive with the mind. So repentance, remember this. It's what you do after you understand what the Holy Spirit is revealing, what he's saying. The process never comes to an end as we follow Christ. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's Jesus' way of describing the process of repentance, the ongoing process in the lives of people who want to follow him. You, you, you can't follow him without ongoing daily repentance. I think, my opinion is this, this can be easily underemphasized in much of contemporary Christianity, that it's very easy to reduce the Christian faith to, to mere profession, I believe in Jesus, or mere indoctrination, both of which are okay as starting points, but rather than the, the ongoing, dynamic, reshaping, transforming of the whole life. So I said we're talking about Monday repentance. It's what you do with Sunday truth. After you perceive, what do you do? So all that is a bit of catch-up. So in our last teaching, I said there were two processes that are ongoing in healthy, spiritual repentance. The two terms we're considering are confrontation. I said they're both C words, so they're easy to remember. Confrontation and construction. Last Sunday night, we looked at confrontation. In in the confrontational nature of just John the Baptist himself, he's used in all his repulsive, harsh, unrefined glory He kind of crashes into the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. He pulls down their trust in mere tradition, mere religious routine, mere words. John just comes and, you brood of vipers, he says, when the Pharisees and scribes come on the scene. He just shakes things up. Nothing good can happen in the hearts of spiritually sleepy people self-reliant people without the confronting edge of repentance. Complacent people don't repent well. Complacent people will never deeply reform. We all need this, all of us, to sit and listen to John the Baptist thunder for just a little while. There's this horrible tendency so easily even in in the church in contemporary christianity to to just shuffle this whole issue of repentance into a, a corner for the really bad people so thieves need to repent adulterers need to repent homosexuals need to repent blasphemers need to repent liars need to repent this is how this is how religious people dodge the cutting edge of repentance in their lives. We have Abraham as our father. That's what they said. 
Here's the problem with shoving repentance into the corner of really, really bad, wicked people in our minds. The problem is only people who feel the need to repent will ever receive the blessings and the power and the new life that repentance brings. In fact, Jesus, Jesus said the same thing. He said, he said the really obvious sinners had a much easier time coming to terms with him than the religious crowd. He said that in Matthew 21. Look these up. Matthew 21, 31 and 32. He tells this parable, and then he says, which of the two did the will of his father? Then they said the first, one who said he would serve, wouldn't serve, but eventually he repented and did. One said he would serve, but never did. Well, the first, ultimately, did the will of the father. And then Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, listen to this, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, can you imagine saying this to religious leaders? The tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom before you. Wow. 32, for John, John the Baptist, John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors, the prostitutes, believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe in him. That's, that's Jesus saying that this religious crowd, they refused to be confronted. So the real problem wasn't, it wasn't what we might think it is. The real problem isn't sin. Because the adulterers were sinners, but that didn't keep them out of the kingdom. The prostitutes, they're mentioned in the text. They were sinners, but that didn't keep them out of the kingdom. There, there's enough grace to cleanse all sin. But the religious crowd, they couldn't find life in Jesus. Not because they weren't sinners, but because they refused to be confronted, confrontation. So, last Sunday night, we studied confrontation first. It's not negative. It's that it opens the door for the second C word, construction. So that's how we're going to wrap up this whole series, by looking at Isaiah's words, especially as they relate to that building a highway, constructing a great life for God. If you're used to coming to Cedarville, this won't shock you. After all of that introduction, point number one. Isaiah likens repentance to a construction process, to the building of a highway. His words deserve careful attention. Isaiah 40, 3, 4, and 5. A voice cries, quote, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places a plain. This repentance, you can see, this is not some little marginal experience. Five, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's God's goal in repentance. Confrontation only feels negative. It's, it's to get ready for construction. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, true enough, confrontation comes first. The high places are leveled out and made low. That's what that means, I think. 
The glory of the Lord will never flow through a life that's already high and lifted up in its own eyes. Pride. Pride is the first thing that has to go if genuine repentance is ever to be sort of perpetually fruitful in my life. This is the pride that would want to dodge the, the, the blow, the cutting edge of confrontation. John, he comes on the scene with this strikingly sinful, simple message, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And instantly, this religious crowd instantly fires back, we have Abraham as our father. Behold, the instantaneous reflex response of pride. Pride of position. Pride of religious tradition. Pride that would separate itself from those who didn't have Abraham as their father. And hence, those people really needed to repent. But for those who are humble enough to yield to the confrontational cutting edge of repentance, something very precious begins to happen. I hope you notice it in the text. The leveling out of the high spots, it isn't just for our embarrassment or belittling. It's, it's, it's kind of to fill in the low spots. Every valley will be lifted up. So here's the important issue here. How do you view the confronting, frequently forbidding, frequently restricting feeling, and even painful voice of the Holy Spirit when he confronts with repentance? What do you see God doing when he doesn't give in to the direction of your own inclinations and desires and tastes and priorities? Most of us, our reflex reaction is to see that as a purely negative thing. But that's not the case. And we need to bring a biblical understanding to it. And that leads to point number two. The pain of present confrontation must be seen in the light of the construction of God's future plan of glory for our lives. This is just so important. Repentance only feels negative. The confrontational part of repentance. It never is finally negative. So Isaiah paints this marvelous description, this big brush picture of repentance. And he wants us to see the results of confrontation in terms of the completed construction of our lives. Isaiah 43, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Get ready for all that he wants to move into your life. That's what a highway does. What a wonderful phrase. I know, I know Isaiah looks prophetically down the road to the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But Messiah hasn't come as a political or national deliverer even yet. And that won't happen until Jesus comes again at the end of the age. And yet John the Baptist, he applies these words to the present preparation of a people's heart, a heart for Christ. Prepare a highway for our God. If I could just make you see it, that's the goal. That's the goal of the Spirit's confrontation process in repentance. It's a construction job. 
The, the, the ongoing repentance is his tool, the tool he uses to accomplish that goal. John likens repentance to the deepening and broadening of the flow of God's grace and glory through our lives. He says it's like building a highway. I can still remember years ago uh, when they were pushing the 404 up toward Newmarket. Didn't reach Newmarket. When I moved here, it reached Bloomington Side Road. And I can remember reading the papers about how they had to redig the foundations of it came up to Van Dorf Side Road and they were putting up that big overpass over the 404. And it just seemed to take forever. And I can remember hearing on the news, reading in the papers, how they had to redig and redo the foundations, this massive concrete four-lane overpass. They had to redo it twice because it kept slowly sinking into the ground underneath. It looked brand new. I mean, those massive, still pure white concrete pillars, they weren't crumbling, they weren't falling apart, and I couldn't see anything wrong with them. They looked good. They looked new. But there were experts who knew things that I didn't know. All I wanted was that crazy highway to finally reach Newmarket. They had all sorts of studies. Do you know what they knew? They knew about the final weight that that overpass would have to one day bear. And they knew that even though it looked fine, even though it was new, the present foundations under that overpass would not hold everything that they wanted to have go over the top. They knew it would never bear the weight of all that the engineers wanted to create and sustain there. There, keep that picture in your head. Not one of us can see our own future. We simply don't have the capacity to accurately measure what, what God wants eventually to do with our lives. All we know is this voice, the voice of the shepherd. All we know is the present call to repentance. In, in some specific point of weakness or rebellion in my heart where I'd like to tilt my life in a different direction, places where we're being called to press the lordship of Jesus more deeply or in more sacrificial ways. And, and there's something else that none of us ever gets to see in this earthly life. We never get to see, perhaps fortunately, all that our lives could have been if we had repented more deeply, more frequently, and more thoroughly if we did. There's, there's, a, there's a weight of glory that God wants to bring in this highway into our lives. There's a master designer, and he knows his complete plan for Don Horbin. Repentance ties into that plan. And the road of wisdom, missed by many, is to see, to see the small steps the small, costly steps of repentance that come to us, each of us, day by day by day in our Christian walk, as, as more important to our future than we ever imagined in terms of what God's glory wants to bring into our lives, a highway. 
So the trick is to see our lives from God's perspective rather than your own. It's, it, Christianity is not just casting a ballot for heaven over hell. Do you see it that way, or do you see it as the ongoing construction of a highway for the glory of God in your life through your ongoing repentance? I hope all of us, I hope I and I hope all of us in this church can keep that picture in our minds. The building of a highway, the construction that follows confrontation. More than anything else I know of, repentance is, repentance is how you keep your life going somewhere for God. And remember this, just practically. If I were to wrap this up, I would would do it this way. Most of the time, here's how you'll recognize the process of repentance. Most of the time, repentance almost always has to do with confronting one of two things or two in combination. Pride, pride and fear. Repentance almost always has to do with pride and fear. I'm not living any worse than the other people I know in Cedarview. That's pride. I'm doing fairly well, perhaps better than average. That's pride. If I start living my life the way the Holy Spirit seems to be leading me, Pastor Don, my boyfriend, my girlfriend won't love me anymore. I'll be lonely. That's fear. If I start walking before the Lord like this, Pastor Don, I'll have to make things right with people who wronged me. And that's pride. If I give my life so totally to the Lord, he might just call me into the ministry and I want to be a hockey player. That's fear. If I come clean in all the areas of my life, it will require exposing things about myself that I've kept under wraps for years. And what will people think? That's fear and pride. Repentance almost always involves confronting pride and fear. The high places made low, the valleys lifted up, But remember, the process isn't the same as the goal. The process rarely feels as tremendous as the goal God has for it. The glory of the Lord will begin to flow through your life with all of its beauty and power. I know this will work. It's biblical. I know for certain because it's the promise made in such wonderful words, the very last part of verse 5 in Isaiah 40. I can't think of a better promise to wrap this whole series up with. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's all learn to walk before Jesus with repentant hearts. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Let's watch for pride and fear in all of their many varied manifestations in our lives. And let's always remember that confrontation only feels painful. It opens the door for the construction of a highway for the glory of God. Oh God, let that happen in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's precious beyond telling. Tells us the truth about ourselves not to condemn, it confronts in order to construct. 
Teach us to walk honestly and repentantly, ongoingly repentant before you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. I think next Sunday night we'll start and we'll finish up our Romans series. We did 57 weeks in Romans and we'll wrap that series up. God bless you, church. Stay in the word and love one another.